It's February 27th, 2019. Welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we've got Aki Marceau, and she is from Elemental Accelerator. She's going to join us to tell us about the next cohort application, which is now open. And then we have Mark Kimura from OceanEd and Terry Cruz from Gabriel Cares. And they're joining us to talk about a novel application for app, uh, for artificial intelligence and machine learning. I'm excited to talk about that. Now, first up, I'm happy to have uh, our Aki Marceau, and she's from Elemental, as I mentioned. And, you know, Elemental has been very active, like all the other accelerators, with uh, the new cohort applications and they have a cohort coming up. I want to, first off, welcome you to Bite Marks Cafe. Thanks, Bert. Thanks for having me back. Now, this is like number eight, so I didn't realize that there were eight cohort, you know, uh, uh, graduations that have already gone through uh, Elemental Accelerator. And so, what, one every year? Yeah, so uh, this year we are soliciting our eighth cohort, as you mentioned, and we have we operate on an annual calendar mm-hmm. cycle. And so, yes, we, we select about 15 to 20 companies in energy, water, agriculture, mobility and transportation, and circular economy What is a, each what year. Is circular it's economy? like recycling or the reuse of materials. Oh, okay. So it can even be something like carbon. Maybe tell us a little bit about what the accelerator... Uh, program is like over the course of, is it a one-year sort of uh, activity or is it over a course of three, four months? How does that work? Sure. We have uh, two specific tracks. So one track is called the demonstration track. Mm -hmm. And for companies who are interested in the demonstration track, they are um, looking to commercialize their technology and actually deploy their technology in a specific project. And so we'll fund up to $1 million to support that project. So demonstration is considered, what, early stage? or Typically it- seed to series C, and I would say the demonstration company, track companies typically fall on the later stage of, mm-hmm. the, of, of that scale. So series A, B, C. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, so for this uh, cohort, which... Which program are you focusing in on? Both. 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 So, yeah, so we're, we're currently soliciting for both tracks. So mm-hmm. there's the demonstration track, and then there's the go-to-market track. Mm-hmm. And the go-to-market track uh, will provide customized um, kind of wraparound services for those companies. And these are companies that have a, a product or some kind of prototype in place, but they really haven't figured out their product market fit or even their uh, commercialization plan. Um, so we offer them these wraparound services with coaching around uh, their customer discovery strategy or commercialization mm-hmm. strategy. And they'll go through that, that program for about a nine-month nine period throughout the year. And typically, are you um, having all the companies come into the office? Or how do you actually logistically mentor each of these companies? Sure. Um, so we we accept companies from all over the world, actually, but mm-hmm. we're always looking for great Hawaii companies. So that's why I'm here today. Um, and if if they're interested in participating in our program, we launch it off with a what we call kickoff week, which is a week-long program where all of the 15 to 20 companies come to Hawaii and we engage in programming and um, they get to kind of share their experiences through 
peer-to-peer learning. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the year, we actually have other elements, as we call call it. So one is called the CEO Summit, which is in a, a convening of all the CEOs in our entire portfolio, so all eight cohorts. And we provide mentorship and programming at the CEO Summit. And then another event that we host is also called Interactive. And that's where we gather our community of investors and project partners. And it gives the companies, especially the ones that are fundraising an opportunity to really share uh, their their product and mm-hmm. what they're trying to do. Now, some of the uh, other accelerators accelerators that I'm familiar with, like Blue Startups, I mean, they'll invest uh, to the tune of like $25,000. But in your case, it's a million dollars. Do you take equity in, in these companies or is that kind of more of a grant program? Sure. Um, so the, the funding is separate from the equity that we take. So we'll fund up to a million dollars in project funding. Mm-hmm. However, you know, we're structured as a nonprofit organization, mm-hmm. but we will request funding, uh, or sorry, equity, 3% for go-to-market companies and 1% for demonstration companies. And is that tied to a particular number in terms of an investment? Like, I don't know, typically 25000 will equate to, I don't know, 7%. It depends on the, the stage and raise of, of the company. So it really is on a company-by-company company basis. Wow. But but 3% for the go-to-market track and mm-hmm. 1% for the demonstration track. And go-to-market, I mean, so typically the companies that are applying, are they already in existence? They've been doing business for several years. They've uh, pretty much uh, got a, a uh, well, you say go-to-market, but, you know, they have a, a business plan in place? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, we have minimum requirements. So, And this is just through the, the eight years of experience that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is that there's at least two team members, and that's we're pretty, we have a pretty hard line on that. Right, and, and that typically would be like a, uh, like a CEO and a CTO type of team. Uh, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then the second is that they have a prototype in place. So there is, it's not idea stage. They actually have already done the R&D and they have something. Mm-hmm. They have a there there and mm-hmm. they're really focused on commercializing their technology. Mm-hmm. So in the previous cohorts, uh, maybe give me a sense of the distribution of where these companies kind of came from. Sure. Um, in terms of, of industry and sector, about, say, you know, our, our original name was the Energy Accelerator, right, so right. probably not a surprise to anyone. About 50% of our companies are in the energy sector, and mm-hmm. then the rest are kind of split between uh, mobility, agriculture, water, and circular economy. We're really leaning into those new sectors or those other sectors mm-hmm. now, and so we hope to find and deepen our, our uh Participation and support of energy or of mobility, agriculture, water, and uh, transportation. And companies. I guess how does uh, inter- geography-wise? I mean, so how many are coming from Hawaii versus coming from somewhere else on the the mainland? Sure, it really varies. So we have companies from Hawaii, um, similar to coming out of. Uh, Oceanit, Referentia, um, mm-hmm. even we work very closely with Blue Startups and the other accelerators. Um, and then we also have companies even internationally, some mm-hmm. com- coming from Canada and uh, Spain and and the U.K., as well as companies, you know, definitely coming from the West Coast and the Bay is, Area. Is there something that is helping to perhaps spark more activity on the local startup scene that would be a pipeline into Elemental? 
Sure. Well, I, th- I definitely think this radio show is helping with that. <laughs> Bite Marks Cafe, everyone. Um, but also, one of the things that we've been really keenly focused on is uh, K-12 through education, mm-hmm. as well as supporting internships and kind of that early pipeline into uh, seeing what it, what it means to work for a startup and what that experience can be like. So um, I'm happy to also share today that we have about 10-plus internships open right now for for um, college students and, you know, a few years after college, mm-hmm. students who are interested in in actually working for the startups that we support. And uh, Aki, do you want to share who some of the key sponsors might be for Elemental? Sure. Um, so our primary source of funding, I guess we work with uh, government, mm-hmm. with uh private business, and then also philanthropic organizations. So on the government side, we work with the Department of Defense, Office of Naval Research. On the corporate side, we work with a lot of global utilities from all over the world, um, Tokyo Electric Power Company, Vector, um, and then even on the local level, Hawaiian Electric Industries, um, and then Kamehameha Schools Mm -hmm. we're partners with. Mm -hmm. And then on the philanthropic side, uh, Hawaii Community Foundation, Castle Foundation. Great. So where can people actually go and sign up and find more information? Yes, please visit our website, elementalaccelerator.com. And if you're interested in applying to our program, it's backslash apply. Very simple. Uh, if you are a business out there that gets a lot of inbound from companies that you want to learn more about, please send them our way to our applications page. Mm-hmm. And if you are a student or someone fresh out of college who's interested in interning or having a fellowship with one of our companies, also please check out our website Is for those opportunities. Is there a deadline for the application for this cohort? Great question. April. 12th. Okay, so we still got some time. Well, thanks, Aki, for joining us. Thank you. And of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Mark Kimura and Terry Cruz. We'll learn about the Aloha AI Toolkit. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Shamanad University, Inter-Island Solar Supply, and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. I begin my day with public radio, so I'm always listening to Morning Edition, and I begin my weekends with Weekend Edition. I find it a very comfortable way to start my day. I get to learn about what's going on in the world, and each day I'm learning something new. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now joining us are Mark Kimura and Terry Cruz. Mark is a senior scientist working on AI applications over at OceanEd. And, of course, Terry Cruz is the founder of a company called Gabriel Cares, a home monitoring system for the elderly. And I want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Thanks for having me. Great to be here, Bert. And uh, so, Terry, I want to start with you and, and maybe give us a little background on what Gabriel Cares does. Okay, Gabriel Cares started uh, eight years ago, and it was uh, based on my own desire mm-hmm. to live at home independently and not be a burden on my family. And so over the last eight years, I've researched and looked for every possible angle to make sure I can achieve that. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, with the help of OceanNet, uh, we're very close. Now, when you 
set that objective up for yourself, and Gabriel Cares is is building systems that enable that kind of independent life. What what exactly is the system, or what is it that you would be building and enabling elderly to equip themselves for better independent life? The, the basic problem as you age is uh, down to three main areas. One is social isolation and and not having contact with your family and, and even friends. Uh, it is uh, the difficulty that 65 and over, mm-hmm. 50% will have falls at home. 50% of them will go to hospital and half of them won't come home. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and medication and nutrition management. So the whole idea then was to create, firstly, apps and a communication network that allowed grandparents to communicate very simply with their grandchildren, which mm-hmm. was the primary function. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, when, when you talk about this monitoring system, is it a, is it a, a thing that you connect to the wall or is it a, a moving device? What, what exactly is it? When it comes to detecting falls, it's important that uh, firstly you, you look after the privacy issue because most falls occur in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And so the last thing we want to do is have naked pictures going up onto the web. Mm-hmm. And so, so we designed a system which stays within the home and we don't send any of our uh, things out. Mm-hmm. We also convert the image into a stick figure so mm-hmm. that then there's full privacy. But just using video alone to detect falls is not enough. So we have to use a whole range of artificial intelligence to uh, listen for the thud of someone actually falling, listen for the change in, in noise with the water from someone standing up or laying down, mm-hmm. uh, record when someone goes into the shower, and if they don't come out after a certain time, then start doing things. So in the in the system in, in its current state, is it is it sensors that are placed in the home in various places, or is it a you know a moving device? No, initially it's just a sim- sync simple device which has a video camera, a microphone, a speaker, and a motion detector. Mm-hmm. And so that if we recognize that there's a fall, the system then talks to them or tries to see if they're responsive. So they'll ask if they're okay. Uh, if there's no response, ask them to move an arm in case they've had a stroke and can't talk. Um, and if at that time uh, there's no response, it automatically calls the ambulance. Mm-hmm. Similarly, if they're responsive, they can talk to the system and just ask for emergency services and a call will get put through to the ambulance without them doing anything. Now, I want to bring uh, uh, Mark into the conversation, uh, but but first off, how did you connect with Oceanet? I know your company is based in Australia, but you're actually opening an office here in Hawaii. What's the connection between Gabriel Cares and Oceanet? Okay, I, I've been looking around the world for a research centre to do artificial intelligence for our products. And uh, by serendipity, we fell upon uh, Oceanet and and we've now formed a relationship where I'll be able to just give Oceanet a 10-year roadmap and I can sit back and not be uh, the guy designing all this stuff at last. And your background was what was uh, in in engineering or electronics or computer science. Or what was what was your sort of background? Okay, I've had fifty five years of uh, inventing products, uh-huh. and um, so I'm a software guy, a hardware guy, a marketer, and an old bugger. <laughs> and um, and and uh, 
one of the things I did was I invented the first laptop in 1982. Wow, we got to we, well, we'll, we'll maybe we'll save that for another show because that's <laughs> <laughs> now, Mark. So, um, I've seen some of your AI workshops and I found it very intriguing uh, because you've been very successful at uh, bringing what I would have thought was a pretty complex topic and made it accessible for even students to embrace. So tell us a little bit about the work that you've been doing at Oceanit and, and maybe a little background on the, the, the workshop that, uh, you know, Gabriel Cares and Terry and, and I participated sure. in. Um, <clears throat> so um, you come to our first AI workshop. We've been offering this uh, AI workshop for several months now. Mm-hmm. And when you came to our workshop for the first time, you probably remember that it was a you know, bunch of Python codes. Mm-hmm. So we got some feedback from people internally and realized that, you know, that, that wasn't really the right uh, course. To, um, so we've been developing um, GUI and the interfaces so that, um, you know, makes it easier to uh, understand and actually practice and enjoy AI building models. Um, and also we've been um, adding new functionalities, including uh, things that we, you know, we did uh, together at the workshop. And also that's for uh, uh, Gabriel uh, Cares as well, which is um, um, a moon detector. By using the webcam and looking at the fa- facial expressions, we'll be able to. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the idea of mood. And, and uh, Terry, uh, describe the different moods that were presented to the, the class, the workshop. The workshop uh, covered the whole range from depression right through to happiness. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's an important part of particularly ageing from our perspective, is to be able to detect if if the person is becoming depressed or sad. And we can then use that information and call the family and say, look, you really should give grandma a call because mm-hmm. she's down. Mm-hmm. And, and importantly after that is to see how long that call keeps the mood positive. And if it's three days, four days, then we send a reminder to the family saying, look, you better give them another call before they go bad again. Right. So when you say go bad or, or down, that means they were depressed. Maybe. Yes. And what you're, what you're talking about is a facial expression. Right. So, Mark, when, you, when we had the workshop, I mean, the, the, the challenge that was presented to the participants was basically to find different kinds of moods. Correct. On the web, mm-hmm. right? So describe what that exercise was like. Uh, yes, we have part of the tool is to actually find the, the right images and uh, actually collect the images or data. Mm-hmm. And um, there are a couple of uh, um, challenges, which is, um, for example, it's very easy to find people with happy faces mm-hmm. on the web. Uh, it's kind of difficult to find sad faces and in the people in the pain, you know, like a painful state. And also uh, there's some uh, racial biases, age biases as well. But to train uh, a AI model, it's very important to have enough variety. So that was one of the challenges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and the um, the actual exercise that you had everybody go through during the workshop was to go out and do a search on the web Correct. and try to collect as many of let's say smiling faces as mm-hmm. you could. Mm-hmm. Now I I do want to actually get into the some of the tactical requirements of of what do you do when you have five hundred images because. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to talk about getting 500 images, but what do you do next to actually bring it all together and then use it in a model that now is training your computer to learn what a smiling face is? But before we do that, I want to hold that thought. 
We'll be right back after this short break and continue our conversation with both Mark Kimura and Terry Cruz. We're talking about artificial intelligence, machine learning, and how this was applied for Kupuna Care. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Island Insurance, and Sacred Hearts Academy. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Mark Kimura from Oceanet and Terry Cruz. He's the founder of Gabriel Cares. Now, right before the break, we were talking about this uh, AI machine learning workshop that we were participating in, and and one of the exercises was to help identify different kinds of moods. And so, as an example, imagine that you wanted to collect images of smiling faces and perhaps images of of, of sad faces. Now, from a from a logistics standpoint, you can go out there and do a Google search, do an image search, right? And so it'll come up with, let's say, happy male faces. Now, Mark, describe what you would do as an AI scientist, uh, you know, a programmer. What would you do once you've done the search? So it depends on whether uh, you have our tool, Aloha AI tool, uh, toolbox, mm-hmm. or whether you don't. If you right. don't have that tool, right. you have to know some coding, including Python and then those other uh, Python libraries. So it will require coding. But at the workshop, you know, uh, uh, Oceanit's uh, AI uh, uh, toolbox mm-hmm. has this function to actually put in your keywords and click on button and then and collect the data. Mm-hmm. So and, 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 you know, what was really uh, very useful in terms of uh, my experience was that I could do a search, and if, I, if my search came up with, let's say, 500 images, the tool would actually take those images and put them in a folder. Correct. I mean, one click in a folder, boom. Mm-hmm. Now, another interesting uh, facet of the tool was that imagine the image was of a face, but it could be size. The size of the face could be varied or mm-hmm. variable depending on the photo. So part of the toolkit did normalization. Uh, correct. Uh, if you simply normally you know, collect data and download the images, uh, includes uh, very tiny images as well. Mm-hmm. And also, there are images that look like JPEG files, but they're actually not. And so the tool will actually uh, filter those bad images mm-hmm. uh, so mm-hmm. that you can uh, just download the images or data that, that are appropriate for uh, training. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Terry, in terms of... Uh, uh, getting enough data to train your, uh, let's say, system, uh, typically how would you, I guess, how would you describe how much data you need in order to differentiate between, let's say, depression versus uh, anger? Look, I I think that a minimum of 1,000 to be fairly precise, but because we're dealing with one individual, in mm-hmm. the home, mm-hmm. over time, the system will learn the more subtle variations with that individual as far as their mood's concerned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, how, how do you, I guess, um, in, the, in the workshop, we were specifically looking for, let's say, anger or sad. And that's what, that was part of the, the search criteria. In, in terms of the actual application in the home, how would it differentiate, or would the machine have already been trained? The, the machine will be trained in the, in the basics of 
the different forms of mood. Mm -hmm. And then over time, the system will learn the individual's uh, view of mm -hmm. you know, what's really depressed with that person or what's painful with that person. And we will continue to refine based on the individual as opposed to the, the mass. Mm -hmm. Now, Mark, you know, the workshop was kind of an introductory uh, session for not only the adults in the room, but for high school mm -hmm. kids. What was it that uh, um, what was it that that you Oceanet wanted to achieve in in doing that? Yes. Uh, so I have a very uh, peculiar or specific philosophy or ideas about learning in general, uh, which is building the right intuition. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that um, that's lacking in many uh, teaching or learning environment. So, um, as you know, I, I, I grew up in Japan, and I did my uh, elementary and K-12 education there. I also went to Japanese university and also went to Japan, I went to a, a U.S. university as well. Mm -hmm. So I've been exposed to both Western and the Eastern ways of learning. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something, um, one of the differences between those two learning environments, which is, like I said, building the intuition. And uh, actually, so one of my, actually my karate teacher, the American karate teacher, mm -hmm. actually told me this. Uh, in the West, we learn first and theorize data. And, and theorize later. Uh -huh. And in, in, in Western culture, we tend to theorize first and learn later. But in the case of um, learning many things, in many cases, I think uh, learning first and theorize data will work really nicely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's what we're we've been trying to kind of establish in the, in the course of learning uh, AI for the kids. So, so with, the, with the workshop... Uh, what outcome would you have uh, looked for in order to consider the workshop a success? Because, you know, in, in one workshop, somebody's not going to come out Correct. an expert, right? Mm -hmm. So what is it that you would consider to be a success as a result of the workshop? Yeah, um, I could point out they will not be able to really code and then build something really, really serious. But what they will be able to um, do is to let the allow students to build the right intuition, like I said, mm -hmm. and be able to uh, can learn what's really important, what are the essentials in building AI models. Mm -hmm. Now, now, Terry, I mean, in terms of the workshop itself, I mean, the, the Gabriel Cares was, was a, a use case, an example of a use case. Uh, but the more complex work will come as a result of Oceanet's sort of in-depth research uh, into this topic, right? Yeah, look, it's... It it certainly was good for me uh, first up to see not only kids there, mm -hmm. but parents and grandparents. And and I think the success of our project will base not specifically on the technical things, but the participation of the community from grandchildren right through to grandparents. And I think that um, what, what Oceanet are doing is fantastic with the kids. Uh, it's simple. It gets them involved, and hopefully they look at what this can do for their elders. Mm -hmm. Now, Terry, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Mark, mm -hmm. you know, in, in terms of the AI toolkit, what do you see its continued development? What do you see focusing on its next sort of uh, iteration? Yeah, uh, so there are many, many popular methods or functions or, or features that AI can do in general. Uh, right now, we do image classification, object detection, and there are a few other popular things and you know, uh, fun things to do. So I, I, I'm hoping to be able to add those new features as well. And then, uh, you know, the, the sort of the outcome of the training that we went through in the workshop, you could actually use that training, and then the camera that is on the laptop can now detect a smile, a frown, 
depression or whatever. Correct. And once you build your model in the tool, mm -hmm. you'll be able to kind of take home this uh, model file, mm -hmm. which you could deploy to a, for example, Raspberry Pi or your own computer and stuff like that. So when's yeah. the next workshop? This is cool. Um, ask my uh, co-worker and friend, Ian. Okay. Ian yeah, yeah. yeah, Ian's uh, mm -hmm. on top of that. And, and in terms of uh, where people can find out more information about Gabriel Cares? At GabrielCares.com. And uh, we're there in Large's Life. Yeah, and uh, we're, of course, what? Oceanet? Oceanet.com. Oceanet.com. We're going to hear a lot more about that because I love this topic, AI, and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that you folks are making it more accessible to everybody. Mark Kimura is a senior scientist over at Oceanet, and Terry Cruz is the founder of Gabriel Cares. I want to thank you both for joining us today. Thank you, Bart. Be my pleasure, Bert. And thank you for joining us uh, and listening to Bite Mars Cafe. Join us next week when we will talk to Transform Hawaii Government about several bills moving through the legislature. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. And, of course, you can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime on the HPR app, iTunes, and Stitcher. You stay awesome, and we will see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Oh